You know, we're just so honored <laughs> that where we are to have this quality of a speaker come where the whole town should be. <laughs> but um, I'm just excited, and I know all of you have been excited. Uh, there's, you know, and uh, I remember once we invited someone here. Uh, it was it was an apostle. It was Marquis, and he has started over 200 churches in the in the Philippines. But uh, they said there's no such thing as an apostle, and a lot of people say there's no such thing as a prophet anymore in this town. <laughs> I've heard that they said I'm not coming since my pastor told me there is no such thing as an apostle and a prophet. But that ministry still exists. <laughs> I know. I read. Maybe it was a Nancy Dufresne's prayer book, and she, the last, no, it was another one. It was Kenneth Hagin. But the last apostle, if the last apostle died, then Jesus died <laughs> and is not alive because he, he, he was an apostle. So anyway, um, but this is someone who has been in ministry for over 40 years and has very legitimate fruit. Now, I'm going to read the, the information that they gave us. Uh, Dr. Michael Jacobs is the founding pastor of the Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana, and has been in ministry since 1976. Now, there are several books, and we have a book table out there, very, very interesting books. And he serves as a board member of Dufresne Ministries, Fresh Oil Fellowship, of which I'm a part. Um, a pastor to several pastors, Dr. Jacob has ministered on more than 115 mission trips in 17 nations and travels extensively throughout the United States. Physical healings, and you know that because we even watched a couple of your videos here on Wednesday night. <laughs> and, and we've been talking about the, the ministry and receiving from the prophet because you have a prophet's reward. But physical healings and deliverance are evident in his meetings as he ministers with the tangible anointing that helps to repair, to restore, and to rescue. Hallelujah. So now just receive him as the prophet because he has something for you that's going to mature you, that's going to equip you, that may change your life, may be something that has plagued you all your life. To receive him as that prophet, and he, he knows a lot about angels. So I just want you all to stand. You know, before I do that, though, I want to introduce, you stand. <laughs> you can all stand. I know, I, I'm not good at this stuff. <laughs> I, I, I can preach and teach, but when it comes to these kind of things, I'm not really good. No, really. He, he brought some helpers along, and I want to introduce, this is Dr. Mark Owings and his wife, Pastor Dona. And they're intercessors to help him and so forth. They also have their own church, though, close by. Yeah. So I just want you to give a great big God bless you welcome, though, for Dr. Michael Jacobs. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Hallelujah. Yeah, I appreciate that good introduction. And Pastor Mark and Dona, they've been pastoring a long time. They came out of the Nazarene background, and we've been, hey, they're Rhema people, came, went to Rhema, uh, and we hooked up about 12 years ago, them to me, being their spiritual father. 
We don't, we don't force that, we don't coerce that, but we're glad when God gives us people, especially quality people. And they also really have anointing on them to intercede, and that's part of the reason I bring them with me. Not every trip, we can't do that, and I'm not trying to destroy a church by keeping their pastor out of the pulpit. But, you know, I have a lot of sons, but they are just such important people to me. And, you know, I, one of my other sons said, are you bringing someone? I said, no, I'm bringing the Owings. And if they can't get along with the Owings, they need to quit doing whatever they're doing. Because <laughs> they're just such sweeties. But I tell you, when they're with me sometimes, I know they pray a lot. They pray for me. I could feel the anointing come on my room sometimes when I'm studying or even resting because they're with me. And they're very honorable people. So thank you for coming. And being away from your church, let's thank God for them a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's a big thing. Hallelujah. You could be seated for a little while here. Give me just a minute to kind of warm up to me, see if you like my hairdo and my shoes and whatever else you're checking me out about. I know how people are. Uh, I'm going to begin this morning. I think maybe most of the time I may teach on this subject, and I would just say it more generically. One of the areas that God has given me a lot of understanding in and wisdom for, you know, I was saved 50 years ago last December. I was a drug dealer and a drug addict when I got saved. Never thought I'd be in the ministry. Uh, and then I've been in full-time ministry. This is my 45th year. Uh, last August, I was, my wife and I, she was still alive then, and, but she passed in September last year. But now I'm on my 45th year, still doing what I do. So anyway, I wanted to say that talking about that other world, I'll probably demote myself to angels because it's such a, an untaught thing. And you just have to understand how I am. I'm just a direct communicator. I'm not going to step on anybody's toes, but if I do, just wear it. Pray God will hear your foot. Uh, but I have read 100 books on angels, and I've shredded 97 of them. This is one of the three that's left. It's mine. And I got a couple others I'd recommend, but not as good as mine. But anyway, oh, it's okay. Yeah, anyway, when, I, when I, I had these transcribed, I had CDs, I think it was, maybe even cassettes. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I wrote this. Uh, and not everything I know is in here. Not everything I knew was in it when I wrote it because I got a 517-page document back from the transcriber. And the Lord laughed at me. He said, Michael, 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 when are you going to learn you're not going to have enough time to preach that on earth. I said, well, can I have a class in heaven? <laughs> he said, I don't know about that, but I know you're, you're not going to be able to preach what you know in this earth. And what he said, and I'm just being honest with you, so, and I did what he said, and I had 517 pages to wade through. So he said, I want you to write it about 100 pages. I want you to make it readable for a third grader to understand it. So if you come back to me later, please don't, and tell me you don't understand this, I'll pray for you to have a brain, <laughs> because I'm not complicated on anything I write. And when I make a statement in all my books, all my books, I always put scriptures. So if somebody wants to argue, and many people like to argue, I don't like to argue, I'm not going to be in strife with you, even if you, even if you shred my book, I'm going to just take your money and be glad about it, <laughs> for the price of the book. Now... These are both the same books, just different covers. But this one is manual, more like for Bible schools. But I think if, you know, if you're a studious person, I don't know, I don't, I'm not judging you. I don't know anything about any of you. First time I've ever been with your pastor and, and Pastor Ken and, and Pastor Jackie. But I've seen them in meetings with Dr. Dufresne, which is who I was hooked up with. 
and I'm still hooked up with Pastor Nancy. But anyway, my point is, uh, you know, this would help you if you like to study because we put empty pages throughout the, bi throughout the book so you could take notes yourself or, you know, whatever. Maybe you could find those other two books I, I'm recommending, but don't ask me. It's not important right now. I just don't think we even have this yet. So, you know, you can't fault me. I've been preaching on this since 1980, so that's 42 years. I've studied two more years on deliverance, started that in 78. It wasn't a, I'm, not a, I'm not a seeker of weird stuff. I'm not an unusual person. I mean, even that Walking Dead show, when they give commercials, I turn it over because it's weird. And they got people on. I could name some daytime shows that I don't watch anymore, very educated people and smart people but ignorant because the lady said this is my favorite show the walking dead and I, I looked at my wife when she was alive i said what is wrong with that lady what is wrong with people They're watching the wrong shows listening to the wrong voice anyway i wanted to read something out of this and just give you some ideas of what i talk about in it it's just pretty basic um giving the more earnest heed you know that's in we're going to look at that in just a minute you on the subject of angels you know, we have three, we're 300 scriptures in the Bible on the subject of angels. I don't think you realize what I'm saying yet, but I'll tell you. I've been, I've been in ministry full-time 45 years. I don't know of any subject uh, apart from maybe money. Yeah. And I don't teach on money all the time, but I believe in it, and I'm a generous person, so I'm abundantly blessed. But my point is, I don't know of 300 scriptures of any other subject in the Bible like that. I don't think there's 300 scriptures on the word of faith. Now, the principles of faith are from beginning to end. I teach faith, believe in having Bible faith. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we're talking about 300 references. And if you add certain other words, it could bring it up higher. And out of those 300, this is just my introduction. Don't take this away from my teaching time. If you'll let me, I'll get in you as much as I can without boring you, hopefully. Uh, but, uh, you know, just this is such a massive subject. And let me say it this way. The reason I carry these books at all, I wouldn't fool with it, but God told me he wanted me to write books. Yeah. And this was the beginning of it right here. Then I have a lot of other books now, and i got others in here that are coming. So um, anyway, what I wanted to say is in 1995, you have to understand that that would have been 27 years ago, I think, I preached 15 Wednesday nights in a row to my home church, an hour every Wednesday for 15 hours. We, you know, one week after another, week after another, and still didn't get taught what I knew back then. Now, that's, that's way back there kind of for me. So you have to understand, and I've still studied it since I, God put it in me to study this in 1980, and he didn't say quit studying it. I just go back and study it again, and I'm finding new things out all the time. I don't have a uh, uh, secondary book in my heart right now to walk, uh, to write, I might. But what I'm trying to say to you is, just in this is at least 15 or 16 or 17 hours of study. You know, I could teach on it for five years now, but, you know, I don't do that. I don't have a place to do that at. Okay. And I'm called to the body. I'm not called to a church. Now, I support the church I go to. My son pastors it. And my wife and I started it with God's help. But this has chapters like, what are angels really like? You know, some people got all kinds of... <laughs> unvalidated thinking about angels just in every capacity I just did a meeting a couple months ago at a place I'm not going to mention because I don't want to 
But people said, do I have to know the name of my angel to send him? I, I wanted to say, who told you that? But I was sweet about it. I said, no, you don't have to know any of their names. There's only four names in the Bible given angels and demons. And if God would have needed to, he'd put an addendum book for the names of the angels. But he didn't. And you won't talk to any of them if you don't know you have authority. That's why all my, this book and the deliverance book out there, don't let it freak you out because it's a great book too on getting people delivered. There's a mental health crisis in the earth today, especially North America. Oh, my God. And so I teach on that a lot, too. I may slip in one of those during the week. I don't know yet. I just, just let me flow. But, and then we, I just, I'm giving a little introduction so you know what's in this if you're interested. Classes of angels, like there's archangels, there's seraphims, there's cherubims, they're all different. And then there's personal, I call them personal. You could call them guardian if you like that word. But uh, anyway, that's what I call it. And then there's some other creatures that look like they're part something and part something else. So I just call them living creatures. So there's different classes of angels. Some of them have a certain level. I would say today, because I know more about it, a different level of anointing. And some, some have greater levels of anointing. Like, like, for example, let's just, I'm not really preaching yet. You don't mind me talking. Just try to get it introduced to you. I'll try not to abuse your time or mine. But, uh, you know, like one came and got Peter out of prison, but he said that he lit up the cell, the prison cell he was sleeping in. That's it. And that's good enough for me. Chains dropping off of you, doors opening automatic, like at Target today or something, you know. They had that back then. But then in the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 18 or 20, one of those first few verses said an angel came and lit up the whole earth. And it wasn't Jesus either, it was an angel. So I'd say that's quite a contrast. So, and some of them have different things. Some, one of the angels works with me only does one thing. Other angels work with me to do a multitude of things. And I'll talk about that if you're interested. Even if you're not, I'm going to tell you anyway. But <laughs> Angels on earth. Now that's what we're going to talk about today. If I could get to the word in just a minute. That I know people think, well, what about the angels in heaven? Let me help you. You don't live there yet. Yeah. Right. So really, it shouldn't concern you. Yeah. <laughs> I know heaven is heaven. Yeah. And by the way, your angel on the earth that works with you, he's not going to heaven with you. Yeah. I can prove that. Amen. And you, why would you need him in heaven? Let me ask you a technical question. What's up there to bother you? Yeah. Heaven is heaven because it's like heaven. The word is fully established there. You can get the word fully established in your personal life. You can't get the word established in everybody's life, even your mate sometimes, or your children. But you could do your best. Just talking, don't drop you off the cliff, did I? So there's a large contingency of angels in this planet, and that's the ones I'm concerned about because this is where I live. My spirit is connected to heaven, so you and I are both seated with Christ. Let me, get, let me, I don't want to, I don't get that out of the box. I'll kick it around. I'm going to better just stay with this. Angels in worship and intercession, what angels do. It's not a complete list what angels do, but the most, I thought the most essential things they do. One of the things they try to do for all of us, we'll see it in just a minute, is to protect us in this planet. This is a dangerous planet without God. And it's a dangerous planet with people that say they know God that don't know God very well. It's not much different. That's in the Word. We could talk about that some other time. What angels do. Anyway, angels in order. If your life is chaotic and you don't know how to rest and you're always running, 
you're going to have a harder time getting the angels to work for you because they like divine order. You know, there's a verse in there about having a covering on your head. You can wear a tablecloth, ladies, and still be full of the devil. (laughs) You men, too. I'm just talking. I'm just a real person talking real stuff. I don't think you can misunderstand me. (laughs) Angels take us places. I've already released them to come here several days ago. Those that don't need to be right with me, I have some that stay with me all the time for protection. We'll talk about that later. Our authority with angels, and without this chapter, I would have never wrote the book because if I could teach you everything I know, but if I don't share with you that perspective, it would take me an hour to teach you, and I'll probably teach that one, one evening. Uh, our authority with angels, and you have the authority. Let me say, I hope you to understand that, not God, you. Amen. <laughs> you know, he already charged them. Right. Or I put it this way, and I'm not a techie person, but he put certain... Uh, what do you call that in a computer? Systems in it or program? program thank you, a program in it. And, and when you your your words match those in the Bible, yeah. He will respond to you. And so anyway, God is looking for somebody to agree with Him on this planet. And if yeah. you don't talk and you don't talk right, yeah. and I'll, I'll share with you how to do that, you've got to speak, yeah, you and you've got to speak to your angel. Your pastor ain't going to do that for you. It's, it's, you can't do stuff. Now, you might be in the Holy Ghost and get something in the Holy Ghost where God would say, speak to an angel to go help that person. I've done that before. As a preacher, a minister, a prayer person, and a prophet, all the above. But anyway, you need, you need to know you have authority, and nobody has a better authority. Now, let me say it to you this way. God showed me this in a little vision. Jesus had is not sitting at the seat he sits in. Yeah. If it was, then he don't. Then he didn't raise us with him. That's true. Yeah. We're the body, That's right. so it's his head on the top of us. Yeah. But we're all in that. Even if you're the left mole on the little toe of the left foot. Amen. So f- spiritually, I'm connected to that world by that what he did for me. But I'm not living in heaven. You can have heaven on earth as long as you get the word to step. I'm taking too long with this. Healing and angels, and we, we have a healing ministry, and I'll talk a little bit about that this morning probably. And every service will be different. Listen, just come expecting because, you know, I'm not on a program. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. I haven't got this all fixed. You know, I'm going to do this this day unless the Lord tells me to do. And I'm looking for him to talk to me all through the meeting. Healing and angels. And they, they, some, all of them work with me. Not all the angels are healing angels, but a bunch of them are that work with me, and they bring healing to people. Amen. We'll talk about that some today, maybe. And they're waiting on you. It's kind of a play on words. They're waiting. They're waiting on you to see if you're ever going to say anything they could do. You know, and just remember now. Listen, you know. Don't come up here and try to argue with me, but just remember, I'm going to tell you what kind of person I am. I'm not bragging. I got five scriptures in this pocket, four in this one, two in this shoe, and ten in that shoe, and I'm one behind my ear that I don't have time to tell you. So if you want to argue, just read my book and argue with the book. The scriptures are in there to prove itself. But, but they're waiting, and I don't, maybe you're already way ahead of me. Maybe you've got your angels doing all kinds of stuff, and... I always say it this way. How would I know if that happened with you? I'm just about ready to start preaching. What have I been doing? Kind of preaching. 
but you said you wouldn't hold that against me. I assumed you wouldn't because I said don't, okay? <laughs> but if I interviewed you coming through the door there, I'd say, you believe in angels? Every one of you would say, well, sure I do. My next question would be, do you have any, any record in you you could testify that when you told the angel to do something or you asked them to do something for you and you have proof that that was done? That's my second question. And most people would go, um, wait a minute, um, hold on. I don't think so. Then I would say to you, well, you believe mentally in them, but you don't believe really in them because if you did, you'd have some proof. Or we, how about a Bible word, fruit? <laughs> One thing I've learned about the angels, I'm talking about the elect angels, godly angels that work with me. None of them have ever refused to do what I ask them to do. And none of them have ever talked back. What a refreshing deal. As people talk back to me my whole life. Come on. Come on. When I was a drug addict, I knew what to do with them. But anyway. I'm just teasing, kind of, but anyway. All right, let's, let's do this to get started. Let's go, first of all, to the book of Mark, chapter 16. And I hope I didn't spend too much time there. Um, just, I want to just give you a little overview, and then we're going to get into things here. And I, I believe I'm going to learn some things, too, when I'm teaching. But Mark 16, and... Of course, it talks about different things we would do. Lay hands on the sick, cast out devils was the first thing Jesus mentioned. That's the last one I got to of that list. But verse 20 says, and I want to read this on purpose. And they, that is the disciples, went forth and preached everywhere, including Fremont, Nebraska. Is that the right city? And the Lord working with Dr. Jacobs or Michael, whatever, and confirming the word with signs following. See, I'm not teaching on marriage, so I mean, you could get something from something I say, but that's not my intent, or raising your kids right, or how to, how to grow in your financial realm, or how to stay healed, be healed. How to, I'm talking about angels, so if I'm teaching on angels, the word he's going to confirm have to do with them. See, whatever word you preach, that's what you get, and you don't get anything else either normally. Get what you preach and what you believe. But somebody's got to teach us because, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Somebody asked me, well, don't you ever get tired of preaching that after 42? I'm just getting started. Yeah. All right. So let, let's, uh, let's go over here for a minute to Mark chapter 1. And I want to share a couple little things. And, and then I'm going to read you a prophecy from Brother Hagin. Then we're going to get in some more word here. I'm talking today primarily about angels on the earth, but I wanted to say this first. When I first started studying this, I don't know why I thought this way. It was a terrible mindset I had. It was religious. And uh, I was looking at what Jesus did in his ministry. How did he respond to the angels? Let me, let me say it to you plainer. If he don't talk about it much, I'm not going to either. Because he's the head of the church. Now you understand he was under that old covenant. He wasn't in the new covenant. He had to kill. He had to be, you know, gave himself up to cut the covenant for us to be in the new, a better covenant. But I want to see how he responded to these beings and what did he say about them. And there's, I'm just going to point out a couple of scriptures. There's a lot more I could say, 
But, you know, when they beat him half to death, I don't know if that was Herod or Pontius Pilate, who was in control there, the devil. And he threatened him and said, I can have you crucified. Don't you know what I could do? He said, you couldn't do anything to me except it was given of the Father because I have servants that are not of this world. And I'm reading something into it that I could prove later, but just listen to me. Like Hebrews says, he was tempted in all points yet without sin. So he had a right under the old covenant to be delivered. But he didn't do that because he was going to take our place. That's the only reason he didn't do it. You know, he was, he was dealing with that, and I'll show you that in just a minute out of Luke's gospel, you know, because uh, he realized the cross was coming. And so you know, he knew what Psalm 22 says, what Psalm 88, those are two, two passages that deal with crucifixion. Well, he didn't have the new covenant. He was, he was, he was just living it in Mark now. But let's look here. It says, verse 13, Mark 1, 13. Am I, are you with me? Yes, sir. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast. These are not zoo animals. And there's nobody in a tree or a, uh, some ledge with a dart gun going to do them if they try to eat Jesus. Their purpose is to eat people and get, get fed. Talking about wild beasts. Okay. Okay. And the angels ministered unto him. Now, we're not told in this passage how. But we know they did in one translation, they amplified, which is the best to the Greek of anything I know. And I had to take Greek in seminary. I'm not a scholar, but I can look up things and I'm not ignorant. It says they continually ministered unto him. Another translation says they took care of him for these 40 days when he's under immense temptation. Now, let's think about that in your own life. Have you ever been under immense temptation? Boy, I know I have. And the angels were there to assist him in some capacity. Listen to me. And he didn't say, like, this is where I used to think, I would have thought Jesus, now, just don't get mad at me. I would have thought Jesus was like, well, why don't you take care of some of those humans? Don't you know who I am? I'm son of God, son of man. I'm the anointed one. But that's big arrogance and pride, and he never talked like that. So I began to say, well, how did he act? And I found one reference right here where there were beasts surrounding him that could have eaten and killed him, and that would have been it. But he had angels there that protected him or helped him in some capacity, or it wouldn't even be listed in here. And what I'm saying is he enjoyed what they did. What I mean he enjoyed, he took advantage of what was given to him by God to help him at that moment. And you know you and I would be smart to follow him. I don't know how, how Jesus would need this, and then we come into the earth and we think, well, I don't need that. You'd be surprised what humans think about angels. I think they barely can spell the word angel. Man, they've asked some of the most bizarre questions humanity's ever asked me. The only other thing that ties with that is deliverance, but, but mostly angels, they just are so, they're so, they don't have any recognition of anything hardly. All right, now let's go to Luke 22. And let's see what Jesus did over here. And another, and I consider the first one, Mark 1, and in Luke 22, these are two of the most uh, oppressive times that Jesus ever lived through in his life, in his life in the earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, other than the cross itself, but while he's walking around as a person, he wouldn't have made it to the cross maybe without their assistance. True. Interesting. So here's another time, he's in the garden, he's praying, you know, and he's realizing, I think personally, he's realizing what Psalm 22, Psalm 88, or other passages that I'm not 
familiar with that deal with crucifixion. You know, we've got to realize nobody had ever done that before. Nobody had ever went to hell and got back out. Nobody. (laughs) Because they deserved to be there. You know, according to God's standard. But now Jesus cut covenant with the Father. I think Father looked on us and said, oh, those pitiful humans. i got to help them. What could I give? How could I? Jesus said, I'll go. (laughs) What kind of Savior do we have? A great one. (laughs) A good one. One that's committed to us, me and you. But this is facing him that next morning. He's going to be arrested and all they did to him. And then the cross. And then being separated from his father. You know, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So he did forsake him on the cross because he was becoming sin. Actually, God laid on him the sin of us all and the sickness and all the mental stuff. How about the emotional weirdnesses that people have? I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just talking in general terms. People are just flat out weird. And maybe they're extremely educated, smart, well-spoken. But boy, they are weird. Weird people. I'm not making fun of people. I'm just saying, you know, I needed help in my life at one time for that because I had some mental issues. You may think I still do, but I don't. I have a sound mind. He said in verse 42, Father, if you be willing... Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, notice this. It said, the first one in Mark didn't say the angel appeared to him or any of them. It said, and it was in the plural. And angels ministered unto him. We're not told how right then, but we're told there was more than one. And here it says, and it didn't say he saw them. It just is recorded that they were there. So it says here, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now let me see if I can unravel this a little bit, because this, when I didn't understand this, it frustrated me. So I asked the Lord about it. Now, Lord, the word heaven is used, but I said, it seems like I remember a guy named Apostle Paul that wrote in 2 Corinthians 12 about a man who had visions and revelations, talking about himself and whether I was in the body or out of the body. And when I get into later talking to you, I don't know if it'll be tonight or not, but talking maybe if the Lord will let me talk about my visions I've had, I felt the same way. I didn't feel like I was in my body or out of my body. It didn't make a difference. I was still Michael. (laughs) And you'd have to go through that to understand fully what I'm saying. And not everybody's going to have a vision. I didn't ask for any of them. And I would really not like to talk to you about them, but God said if I didn't, it's going to be trouble. So I said, oh, okay. That's the short edition of what he said, but anyway. <laughs> and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven. So let me talk to you about heaven, then I'll get back to this verse from now. Paul said he was, there was three heavens, yeah. 2 Corinthians 12. You can check me out later, verses 1 through about 4. Yeah. So I said, well, I'd like you to help explain that to me. So he said, this is what he said, because Colossians says there are beings created, visible, listen to me carefully, Colossians 1.16, I'm not going there, I'm just giving, we will go there sometime, uh, visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, then it lists some of them, principalities, powers, wasn't anything we're wrestling against right in that passage, don't read that in there, that's what Ephesians says, this is Colossians, it's another book, okay, and so there are beings in the earth that are not unreal, they're just unseen. So the first heaven, a heavenly realm, 
that coexists with this one we're at. Yeah. You can see my body, you can't see me. I'm in here somewhere. But if I stood out of my body, if I was able to do that, you would recognize me because I'm still Michael. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But my point is, uh, this unseen realm is just this realm that is unseen that exists right alongside of us. In fact, just scripturally, if you're born again, if you're born again of God, then you have a personal angel who's been assigned to you, and he's with you today at church, or he couldn't protect you. Not that you need protection at church, but he, he follows you around. But you also have another group given to you when you're born called a familiar spirit. That knows all your family stuff and some that you don't know about. Because my wife and I went through that. We tried to figure out back when we were younger and just, and we've just been married a few years, uh, we were going to have children. So we made a list of all the stuff we knew in our family, hers and mine, that had been a problem. If it was cancer, we listed If it was bad lungs, heart problems, whatever it was. And then mental stuff that we knew about. We didn't know everything. But and then I just said, and everything we don't know about. And I wrote... Deuteronomy 28, you know, 61, all sickness, all disease, even if it isn't invented yet, even yeah. if we don't yeah. even see it yet. Uh, and then uh, all the other stuff. And then I wrote Galatians 3, 13 and 14 on that same piece of paper. And then I laid hands on it with her and I prayed out loud, I break the curse in my family right now. Amen. From just all the strangeness, I know some, but I don't know everything about my relatives and my heritage and my... You know, people back in history, what they might have done or said or how they behaved. or It's freaky if you get into that too much with your head, but you need to take authority over all that that you stop it. Okay. All right. So the first heavenly realm is unseen but not unreal. And so there's angels here today. That was my point to say that. Whether you see them or not, they're here. Do you see them? No, I don't see anything yet but you right now. Sometimes I see stuff in the prayer lines. I don't tell everybody everything. I mean, I will if it's necessary, of course, to help them. But sometimes people are already so confused, I don't try to confuse them more. Now, I don't know if you can follow me or not. I'm trying to be as straightforward as I can. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of things. They bring parts. We've had people get new hearts. We've had people get new uh, female parts, we had a person get a new heart. We had people get different kinds of organs, transplants by the Holy Ghost to them from me with the angel's help, you know. So you know, I'm just talking here. I, get, I don't want to get out too far with us, first of all, but I want, so let's talk about that seven heavenly realm. I was on a plane one time. I bought a, I was in a, you know, civilian plane, what do you call the, you know, regular airliner. And the bookstore had a book on NASA like a magazine, and it talked about on the cover, they put up a satellite with a Hubble telescope in it. Now, this has been 20 years back, and even NASA today, if you could get in and break into their secret stuff, they found planets that look just like Earth somewhere in another galaxy. That thing is still going out. It's beyond our galaxy already. You know the nine planets in our solar system or whatever you call that? Okay. So, you know, the stellar heavens is another helm. That's another realm of heaven. Heavenly bodies, moons and stars, and I don't know what all's out there. There's stuff out there, though. Uh, You couldn't have a picture of it if it didn't exist. I mean, in the natural, for the scientists that sent that up, that's why they did it. And then there's a planet in the north of the universe, the Bible says, called heaven. That's where my wife's at. And where all your friends and relatives went if they knew God because they, they got promoted. 
So does that make better sense? So when this says an angel from heaven, it could have been this angel was standing right by him while he was praying. This is my point. He just stepped out of that other scene realm and was peered to Jesus. That's all he had to do. And Jesus could see him then. When we talk about visions, and stuff, I'll talk more in detail. You have to have a dream, a vision, or operate in discerning of spirits if you're going to see anything. Now, and I'm not bragging. I didn't ask for these. These are gifts. I have discerning of spirits operate strongly in my ministry. It has for 40-some years. And visions. And the older I get, it seems like I have more. And so, you know, and I've never asked for any of them. I don't ask for them yet today. And, you know, people that ask for things like that are not very smart because... The devil himself appears like an angel of light at times to people, and, but he's full of foolishness. He may tell you to divorce your husband or divorce your wife and run off and marry somebody that's not even saved and leave your family. And your, he just tries to destroy people's lives. And they say, well, the angel told me to do that. Well, you better be sure it's a godly angel before you, before you act on anything. Any, just because something shows up in a white robe, a tinkerbell, and some pixie dust, you better wait, pay attention. might be a Disney deal. I'm talking about Bible stuff. I'm not talking about foolishness in people's heads. And don't come up here and ask me to interpret your weird dream. I'm not going to do it. i just real simple person. Listen, I found a scripture backs me up. says don't let anything move you away from the simplicity that's in Christ. If it's complicated, you're not right to begin with. I'm early on it now. I'm going to ask you to pat my back in a minute if they don't say amen. I was watching a Christian show one time, and they introduced all these people with their title. This is Bishop Doodad Head. This is Sister Prophetess Doodad Head. This is Apostle So-and-So, and this is Bishop and a Cardinal. And I don't know. They weren't all Catholics either. And they got on there in a round circle on TV. I'm not going to mention the broadcast. And I looked at my wife. What are those crazy people talking about, Diana? Do you understand them? No. I said, well, I don't either, and I'm not in second grade anymore. <laughs> I always wish they'd just shut the up. When you don't know what you're talking about and you think you're a big shot because you got a title and you're on national TV and you're not even making sense of a guy like me, you're in bad shape. But what I'm really concerned about, all the ignorant people that are really ignorant listening to people that's got a title thinking they know something. Oh, my God, you're very, you're very deceived. I'm all for if you earn something, that's fine. You know, if you have a, a doctorate or PhD, that's fine. But that don't make you spiritual. Any more than me seeing something in the spirit makes me more spiritual. It doesn't. This makes me more responsible. Now, let me finalize one point here, and then we'll move on. You with me? Wow. You need to say amen more often or something. I'm going kind of slow here. (laughs) Now, look at this. There appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, just think about that. Jesus needed to be strengthened from an angel. And people want to argue with me about it. I said, well, read your Bible. It's right there. I don't care what translation you've got. Unless they're crazy, that's what that says. So this angel brought some kind of substance to him of some level and ministered to him, either spoke or laid his hand on him, and he received strength. Well, they've strengthened me many a time. I appreciate it, too. Now, I have the Holy Ghost in me today. I understand all that. This is still really Old Covenant. You understand what I mean when I say that? Because Jesus is still in the earth. 
but the Holy Spirit will strengthen us too. He's in here. The angels are out here. But they're not fighting each other. Let me, let me just say one more thing, and I think this will help with The Holy Spirit and the angels are not in competition. Somebody asked me one day, it just seems like you're elevating the angels and talking about them all the time. I'm trying to bring them where they should have been in your heart and mind to begin with, but nobody's ever taught you. And your mom and dad didn't know nothing either. And neither did grandpa probably. And you could have been in a Holy Ghost Spirit-filled church and they still don't bring it up. I went to a prestigious seminary in America. They never brought up one thing. They had one book in the bookstore. I'm not going to tell you who wrote it. You'd be offended if I told you who I thought it was nonsense. That got shredded too. All the books in my library shake when I come in that I'm going to find some unbelief in them. You're going right in my shredder. I don't got to go rent one. I got one right there. I wanted to settle this though about the Holy Ghost and the angels because it, people are so confused. Listen, you just have to be sure you're checking yourself out if an angel does speak to you and what he said to you. Is it biblical? And I think I got some stuff at the hotel, another paper I'll give to Pastor with her permission. She can make copies about if you have an encounter, well, how to get, judge that and gauge it so you don't get crippled by misinformation or... You know, humans are so easily impressed by a dog and pony show. Now, I'm, not, I'm not equating the real angels with that, but I am some of this other stuff. And I've heard people tell me what the angels... I said, well, that's full. That's not, that's not Bible. Whatever you're saying, that's totally anti-scriptural. And you're going to do that? You didn't grow up in my church. You need to get right. You need to go repent. <laughs> anyway, so the angels strengthen But let me get back to my thought here before I lose it and... We'll get a little further in with you today, if that's okay. Um, Acts, it's Acts 8, I think it's 26 through 29. You can turn there if you like, and I'll just explain it. Uh, I think it was the angel that said to Philip, Now Philip's a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-casting out, lay hands on the sick Philip. He's not one of these guys in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> I mean, he's beyond that. And an angel said to him, go, go down to this road right over here. Yeah. The angel's outside. Doesn't say the angel appeared to him. Don't read that in your Bible. You're going to get in trouble for making things say it doesn't say. It said the angel spoke to him. So when it says spoke, he didn't have to see him if the angel spoke, and he knew it was that. And he got down to this road. Then the Holy Ghost in here said, join yourself. We would say to this car and tell these people Jesus is coming soon or whatever they need to say. And I think it was the Ethiopian eunuch that had been to Jerusalem to worship, and he brought a lot of money probably. Uh, and he took the gospel back to Ethiopia. You know, and he said, he said, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading something, but I can't, I don't understand it. So he jumped up in the chariot with him or the car and explained the scriptures, then baptized him in water, and then Philip was snatched away to someplace else. By the way, if I leave and come back and there's a Chinese guy standing here, I'll be back in a minute. All right. So it, what I'm showing you about Philip in Acts 8, 26 through 29, the, whole, the angel spoke first. It could have been the other way around, but I don't think it's a preference thing. But what I'm showing you is God used both of them. The angel to speak to Philip first, see if he obeyed. And sometimes that's, you know, it's not a test with the angel of the Holy Ghost. It's a test of you whether you're going to obey the first thing he said. 
But if you don't obey that, what's the point in revealing to you the second thing? You're not going to do it anyway. I just learned how God thinks a little bit. <laughs> He's not a bully. He just loves me, but he tells me what he wants sometimes, and I have to deal with my flesh. I know none of you would admit to it, but I know it's not true. You have to deal with yours, too. All right. So, remember, the Holy Ghost and the angels are working together to do certain things. And um, let's go here. Let me, let me let's see here what I want to say to you here. Uh, this is a, see, I am a doctor. Look at that. I know wherever Scripture's at on there, leave me alone. <laughs> And then I got some things that happened I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But this was from Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. I think Pastor Nancy got permission to copy this. And she sent it in one of her newsletters or something. And I cut it out because I read it. And it ministered to me. And I've So he, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, Sr., that's in heaven now, the prophet of God. Uh, this was in 1988. So that's quite, that's quite a ways back, a little bit. And so he had three angels appear to him. We're just concerned about the last one right here. And it says, the last one that came, uh, a change is coming in the spiritual realm. The angel said to him, in this realm in which you minister, and this realm in which others who minister, minister. And then he went on to say what it wouldn't do. But then it gets there, they'll learn. He said, it's talking about this angel that's coming with this new spiritual realm we're coming into. They'll learn to walk in the spirit, that's us, They'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. That's us. Then the angels will come and minister unto them. And the angels will come and minister with them. Which is what I already knew because they minister with me. But since he said it, I figured I'd have a little more credibility with people that appreciate Brother Hagin. They will come and minister unto us. And they'll come minister with me. That's what he said. To those who minister in the spirit realm. See, maybe that's probably why I told you when I first got up. I talk a lot about that because it's an unseen realm. It's not an unreal realm, but most average person in America knows very little, if any, about it. They believe they're weathermen more than they believe the Lord Jesus Christ. You know. The weatherman said it's going to do this tomorrow. They got their umbrella and they got their, their raincoat. It's not even rain. It looks like it's 80 degrees, you know. But Jesus said this and that. So, Anyway, this is real important. I want to read this one part again. They'll learn to join forces with... You have to learn to do this. <laughs> Somebody said, I don't know who it was. It might have been Pastor Nancy. It could have been some other person. You don't jump into the deeper places of the Spirit overnight. That's nonsense. And by the way, Jesus didn't either. I got chapter and verse. Just read your Bible. It all tells you he grew in grace and the knowledge of the, Lord, of the, of the Father and stuff like that. So... So anyway, you know, I was a drug addict, and I, I don't know if I have time to tell all that. <laughs> I was a drug addict, and um, I, I got saved. I'm, I want to save the testimony till later about in California in the bathroom. And I think Pastor Jackie said she'd heard that before, but I don't think the rest of you have, unless you all have heard it. Nobody. Okay. So we'll save that to another. But this part of it, what was I thinking about, dear Father? Help me get back to where I was. Um, <clears throat> well, let me just move on with this for now because I, I want to stay on track. But this is what I wanted to talk about anyway for now. You trust me, won't you? Yes. So we're talking about these angels in the healing ministry. That's what I want to talk to you about just a second here. I've got two examples here. 
I did a meeting in Virginia, uh, I think it was Chesapeake, Virginia, it was probably 10 years ago, it could have been less, uh, and uh, there was four or five of us speakers like in a camp meeting, it was in a Marriott hotel, I came the second day or something, got there, I live in Indiana, and I drove there, my wife was with me, and we were seated at a, like a table when I got there, I mean I came in about 11 o'clock and there was a speaker for lunch, he was up speaking from the platform, did a great job. Uh, let's see, what's his name? Um, his last name's McGee. But um, anyway, he, when he got done speaking, he came back to the table where I was seated, and he introduced himself. I said, I'm Dr. Jacob. He said, well, I figured that was who you were. And he said, you know, and the first thing out of his mouth said, I have spinal problems. I said, well, I, you know, I have anointing for bones and backs. I get a lot of people healed of scoliosis. They get vertebrae. It straightens out their back, all kinds of stuff. And so, if you want tonight, I'm preaching tonight, are you going to be here? He said, yeah. I said, when it comes time for me to quit preaching and start ministering, I'll call you up. Now, I'm not going to pretend it's a word of knowledge, because it's not. You just told me what was wrong with you. But I will call you. I say, stand out and lay hands on you, and we'll get that corrected. He said, fine. He came. He said, about halfway back. If he had a Bible, I didn't see it. When the further I preached, the more he seemed uh, mad about everything on the look on his face. So, I don't know if I'm, you know... Tearing his field up crooked, or what? What his deal is? And so, and I, this seemed like he got more. And he never looked at his Bible one time. He just sat there. He had a, a grimacing look on his face. So I said, "Well, okay, now, Brother McGee, stand out here." And I walked back to him about ten feet, laid hand. I said, well, "That's that anointing for your spine right there." And when I said that, I stepped back, and an angel came around the right side of me, and he stuck his finger down here in his body. And he started rolling something. I said, Jerry, I think that's his name, Jerry McGee. I said, Jerry, that angel's rolling something down here. And he turned around and ran out of the meeting. I thought, man, I really ticked this guy off. <laughs> now he's not even in the meeting. He, and he did, left his Bible here if he had one. And I don't know where he went to the car to go home or went upstairs to go to sleep. We're in a Marriott hotel. We're in a room that seated about 100. We had about 80 people. But I didn't know this. The men's room was right outside the back door and to the left. And so I just went on ministering whatever I had. You know, I don't let people get in my head. I love you. I'll do my best to get you healed and delivered. But I'm not going to take you home and worry about it. Yeah. That agreed? Because okay. you can't get anything worrying. I can guarantee you that. And you can have a nervous breakdown worrying. Or worse. Come on. So I'll go ahead and minister. And all of a sudden, Jerry comes in the back door like this. I said, Jerry, what happened to you? He said, you may have noticed I looked a little angry at you. I said, yeah, I noticed it a lot. <laughs> he said, what you didn't know, Dr. Jacobs, I had a kidney stone. I haven't been able to use the restroom for three days. And I was so in pain when I sat there, my face probably reflected, you know, I'm in pain, intense pain. When you said that angel's moving something, I could feel something moving. I went, went to the men's room, and that stone came out of me, and I'm pain-free. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody wake up this morning thinking angels would remove kidney stones? Anybody? <laughs> Pastor did. He said. They could do a lot of things. We can put heart in people. They can straighten out their spine. They can do. Anyway. So. Anyway, that was a great, great meeting after that. I mean, it was like, it was on like a, I don't know, whatever. Then I was in Nashville, uh, I don't know how many years ago that's been, but I don't know if you were in that meeting at Pastor Keith when I prayed for that lady that's not a gymnast. You've heard me tell the story. 
he wasn't in there. But one of my sons showed up. I, he wasn't a son then. He was a preacher. And, uh, well, I mean, he was a preacher, and I knew him, but he decided to hook up with me. I was at the hotel downtown in uh, Nashville. Uh, there's a Lowe's Vanderbilt hotel right across from Lowe's Vanderbilt University, which is several blocks long downtown, <laughs> the Vanderbilt University. And uh, I had a really nice suite, and I was over there praying. My wife was in the other side. And I had a vision. I saw a car accident. I knew it was a human I couldn't distinguish whether it was male or female from what I saw fully. And so, but I saw it, the person in the car was injured in five areas. Now, I operate in word of knowledge, and that's probably the most dominant, plus now more miracles too. But word of knowledge and turning of spirits are two main gifts that God uses me in, typically. And normally I just have like one word, like you have a bad valve in your heart, or you have a bad left ankle, or you have a bad right hip or the fourth vertebrae from your tailbone up is messed up or whatever but I had five things for this person I was preaching along and the Lord brought that vision back to me that I had earlier today and I said you must be here whoever you are and I listed them I said you were injured this 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 and this who is that lady over here responded and she got nervous because I found out what she said well well <laughs> she started stuttering she was so taken back well this is my first time in this church. I'm a visitor here tonight. I said, well, is what I said accurate? Yeah, totally. I said, well, and I don't know if she's a heathen or a Presbyterian or a Lutheran or, or you know, I don't know where she came from. She's visiting. She just looked like a normal lady. And I said, well, ma'am, if you'll come forward, I will lay hands on you. Now, that's the way God uses me typically. And then on them come out of my hands, go into your body, and it'll fix all that. Maybe not instantly. It might be. But he'll fix all that for you if you'd like to do that. I'd be glad to pray for you. So she came up, and she was standing over here. She came down this way. She's standing about six feet from me like this. And so I, and so I wanted her to understand exactly what I'm going to do to her because I didn't want her to be feel nervous because she could have got injured in an area that would have been inappropriate for me to touch, and I didn't want to freak. So I said, when, in just a minute, I just want to go over with you what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay hands on your head, release that anointing. It'll come in your head, and it'll go through your body. It'll straighten out all that. So I started, the Lord said, stop. Oh, you want to be a faith man? Here you go. Go back up. Yeah. Tell her one of the angels, the healing angels works with you, is going to deal with this personally. Don't, don't, just tell her there's nothing wrong with her why I'm not letting you lay hands on her. I just want you to say it. Eighty people was in that congregation. And I said, well, ma'am, the Lord told me one of the healing angels working with me is going to handle it personally. And there's nothing wrong with you other than you need healed, right? And she said, yes. And I said, so I'm going to stand here and just lift your hand. So now this lady, I'm, I say this respectfully, but in fairness to her, I don't know if she'd ever been to a gym. She was a rather heavy set lady. And I'm not making fun of that, but she was not a Chinese gymnast is my point. You know how those Chinese girls can wrap their head around their leg three times and go. And you wonder, how in the world did she do that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. So I said, well, lift your hands up. And she, and she started going back. And she went back until her head was where her rear end is. I mean, it was like, like a horseshoe. Now, her head didn't touch the carpet. I don't, I'm not implying that. But I could not, as I watched it, I could not imagine how her uh, spine didn't pop through her front because she's bowed over like this. It's like that. And the angel just brought her up ever so slowly. Then he turned her one way further than I'm going to go. I don't have to go to a chiropractor here. And the other, 
<laughs> and then at the end, she put her hands up, or he did, I don't know, four. Then he picked her up like a ballerina on her tiptoes and just gently set her down. All of that took about 80 seconds, I'd say, maybe just a little over a minute. And 80 people witnessed this, and she was totally healed when he got done with her. Yeah. That'll make you wonder about some things. That kind of <laughs> Yeah, okay. Hallelujah. Now, let's go over to Hebrews. Maybe I, I got a little bit of time here. Hebrews chapter 1. I got a little time for you. okay with that? All right. And Hebrews is the main Hebrews chapter 1 and, of course, verse two, chapter 2. But we're just mainly right now looking at chapter 1, I think, verse uh, 13 and 14 about angels here. And, uh, you know, you do, we always need to stay with the word. That's important to stay with the word. No matter what you see or hear or you think, just go back and make sure you're on solid ground before you uh, say some things maybe that you need to reconsider maybe or whatever. I'm talking to me too. But now the book of Hebrews, I found this out in studying. It's a comparison. It's a comparison between the old covenant high priest who was Aaron. Just one, I mean, he died and others took his place. But him and then Jesus, the new covenant high priest. And we're under this new covenant. But he goes back and forth here. In the first chapter, he's talking about angels versus Jesus. Not, not like they're in battle, but comparing the two of them. And so it says in verse 13, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He didn't say that to angels. He said it to Jesus. And secondly, and even more importantly, learn to identify with that. So he said that to us. He's going to make all of our enemies our footstool, that's what you put your foot on. But he goes back to verse 14, referring back to that comment, the angels are they, are you following me? Are they the angels, not all ministering spirits? I like to say it this way, they all have a job description. I don't know why I thought this. I think my mother, you know, my mother, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and my mother was a Sunday school teacher, yada, yada, you know, for ladies. And I think it was at, uh, what do we call it? Uh, uh, we call it Easter, but that's a pagan word. But anyway, nonetheless, you know, the resurrection, somebody sent her a card and it had angels on it. They looked like fat little preschoolers with beer bellies. They had blonde curly hair. Looked like they had a rubber dart gun. I mean, it was just, and they were eating grapes and picking guitars. And I thought, what in the world is that? And that's still what I think about. What in the world is that? Where did you get that they play guitars? They do play trumpets and harps, but I don't know about guitars. But I don't know nothing about eating grapes up, you know. See, man's ideas are so warped. Now, you don't have to go home, especially if you're an older lady. You got a knick-knack shelf, and you got these little beer-bellied-looking preschoolers. You don't have to take them out and break them. But I don't know what you see in that. I just don't get it. Because reality is, I'm going to be honest, if you ever see an angel in his normal habitat, not like I am, I've had him appear to me like a human too, yeah. uh, but if you see him in their normal habitat, they're, you're going to have to have huggies or faith. <laughs> but they are very intimidating. I'm not teasing you. <laughs> they don't even try to be intimidating. They're bad motor scooters. I mean, yeah, I'm just telling you. I don't know why, why anybody want to fool with them. But, but they're, they're called in service to us, but are they not all ministering spirits? I like to say they all have a purpose, and it's not eating grapes or playing a guitar either. It, uh, 
all ministering spirits. They are spirits that minister, and they've been sent forth, and we don't get, we're, I'm going to jump ahead too far, but we're the ones sending them forth. God's already charged them and sent them forth in the earth to minister for them. That's me and you when it says them, for us. Who It said, who shall be heirs. How much more would he do it now that we are heirs? We're, we're not just an heir. We're sons and daughters to God. So it says to minister for them. See, the word for is a much bigger word than just to. Angels could minister to you, but they also can minister for you. Like I said, I send some of them that they're not essential to stay with me. That's the way I'm saying it to you. I hope you can understand that because I have a, I've never counted them all, but a large group that flow with me and stay with me typically. But some of them can go do things for me like that implies right there. Uh, I just don't send my protections away. And I'd have to tell you about the visions to explain that. But anyway, it says here that to minister for us. So I, I equated to having a staff, and I have one couple that have been with me 44 years, and I like shredders. It's a fetish of mine. I know you don't have any deals like that. I got a friend that took a, a picture of a, as a school bus, I think on a flatbed thing up in the hills of Kentucky, and there was a green button. I started salivating. I wanted to push that because that thing shreds that thing in about four seconds. And then they put a mobile home up there, four seconds. Wow. Wow, I want to push that green button. Get me up there. No, I, I didn't go push it because it wasn't my territory there, but. I did have a guy outside the house that had a, 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 a storm and blew a tree down. They came next day doing the tree thing in the back of that tree. And they go, rrm, rrm. I was upstairs in an upstairs window. I started salivating. I said, honey, I'm getting my blue jeans on. I'm going over there to see if I can throw something in there. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go. I didn't know my neighbors that well. but <laughs> Love it. I don't know. You got no hang-ups about anything, but... And I burn up two or three of them. That was my point in telling you about Dale, Dale and Arlene. They've been with me for, I've had it him two or three times to buy a new shred, a shredder because I burned it up. It wasn't on fire, but if I didn't quit shredding, they were going to push it out. I said, buy me a bigger one, but not big enough to do a piano. I don't want one that big, but. <laughs> These are all true stories. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be, or I would say now, present tense, who are the heirs of salvation? So the whole purpose of them right here is to come and minister to us and for us, like Brother Hagin said, and minister with us. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just talking to you here a minute. Praise God. I got one angel that works with me, and I've got to get on with these scriptures here because there's something important I need to go to in a minute, and I think you'll appreciate it. But he just does lungs. He just does, and really, it came in 2008. And I told the Lord way back, I don't know, maybe in the 90s. I didn't write that date down. I'm pretty meticulous at writing things down anymore. That's because it helps me. And you don't, sometimes you don't learn things well unless you take some notes. Now, you don't have, if you can't listen to me, take notes. You ought to just buy these whatever they have on tape or whatever they're doing to me, you know, you can have those for whatever they want to charge you. I don't need any money. But, you know, if you feel that's easier to do. But what was I saying there? Hallelujah. The lungs, thank you. So 
in 2008, Lord said, get up and pray. I went in the living room, sat in my chair, and prayed about 50 minutes in other tongues, and I get quiet. That's just the way God uses me. And if he don't say nothing, I'm not frustrated either. Yeah. I'm not having a verbal argument with him. I thought you said get up and pray. No, I don't do stuff like that. If he doesn't talk to me in a reasonable amount of time, I go on with my day. So I was in that chair, and I sat there 50 minutes. And, you know, just roughly 50. I didn't time myself, but... Then I just got quiet, and I always had a piece of paper and pencil. He said, Michael, I'm giving you a new anointing. I said, wonderful. What is it? He says, for lungs. It's people that have COPD, people that have asthma, people that have uh, lung cancer, people that have uh, bronchial problems, all with the breathing thing. I said, that's wonderful. So from that moment on, when I was in the spirit, when God would say, this is the moment, Anybody here have breathing problems? I would say anybody, and they would come up. I just lay hands on them like that normally way I minister. Sure. But I went to Costa Rica and a mission trip, and I was preaching on angels. It wasn't in a church. It was in a, some kind of an assembly building. I don't know. And there was a couple hundred people maybe. But there were, and uh, there was a young boy over here. I found out later he was the grandson to the guy that invited me. He's about 20 feet from me, maybe further than I am. And he... When he started, he's 10 years old. When he started breathing, he sounded like a machine. Now, I'm not making fun of him. This is the way he was breathing. <clears throat> and he went to, I'm, I'm up here preaching for almost an hour. And that he's over, and he's not bothering me. I'm concerned about him. I'm, my compassion went towards him. But I didn't feel led to do anything right then. But when he got done, I said, anybody with breathing problems come up here? And a very elderly lady came up, uh, and she said, I've had lung problems my whole life. And I said, well, we're going to fix that. And I laid hands on her head, but an angel came around, and he had his laser coming out of this finger. A laser. I'm going to do Pastor Mark because he's a man here. And what, if the Lord shows me, sometimes he does. I look in and see in people's lungs, they look off color, or they look light gray or dark gray. One was black. Sometimes they just look a, like a tannish color, that there's something wrong there. But when he takes his finger, he just goes across their chest in both lungs, and it's like that. That becomes some kind of an eraser, is all I can tell you. It looks like a laser. It's a white light coming out of this finger, and he just does that. When he's done, and their lungs look normal. And, and, and so this elderly lady, I said, there's an angel ministering to you, lady. That's the first time I saw him. Remember, I'd prayed in 2008. I don't think it was later. It could have been 2009, even when I was in Costa Rica. I, don't, I didn't write the day down. And then this little boy came, the little boy that was breathing like a machine. He's 10. I laid hands. I said, hey, son, the angel's working on you. Now, he, I don't know that he had a specific lung problem. He had a lung problem, but I'm going to say, and so anyway, he was the last one I ministered to. We were ready to go home. We didn't go eat with the family. We went with some other people to the hotel to eat there. And his mother came back at night and said, that was my son you prayed for. So I said, well, great. How's he doing? He said, well, we got him home. And we're a big family, like 14 people. He was standing over to the side. Everybody's around a big table, and he's just standing there like this. <laughs> and his mom said, Jose, what are you doing? He said, Mama, I'm breathing. <laughs> he was just so ecstatic he could breathe without all that extra and she said when he was born, he had some kind of bone misconstruction in there, and it pressed things, so it sounds like he's, he's barely trying to get the next breath. To, I know what it sounds like. I'm his mother. I said, yes. I said, but that angel fixed all that, and he just breathes normal now. 
I'd say that was worth any kind of angelic appearance, you know. <laughs> hey, he had a man in his church I prayed for, too. He, he later died of something else, but God gave him new lungs. You told me he went to the doctor the day after I prayed for him at your church. He had pulmonary stenosis, something kind of lung issue. And he, he told me later, he said he was laying on the couch almost all day, and you know his wife was concerned for him. But after I prayed for him, he's mowing the grass and breaking leaves. And... Anyway. Yeah, he is. Now, let's see here. I'm not done with verse 14 yet. I don't know. Um, okay. It says, now let me show you something here. First of all, the Weymouth translation of verse 14, he was a New Testament scholar kind of guy. He says that, uh, it says the angels are a benefit for us. They're a benefit. Think about that. Here's God trying to get to us a benefit we could have and use and we're, sometimes maybe we're ignoring it, we didn't even realize it. The benefit in Webster's means a useful aid or a help. So God's given us these angels as a benefit. Of course, I didn't realize this when I first figured this out. Then I went back to Psalm 103 one day, and I said, Bless the Lord all, uh, you know, all my soul and all that is with me. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. And, of course, that's in Psalm 103. And later in that same chapter, verse 19 20, talks about the angels. We'll get to that eventually. But, see, the angels are part of the benefits. And they bring useful help and aid to us when we need it, like they did Jesus and like they have all the people in the Bible. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was shocked when I went back and read Genesis just from first chapter all the way. After I had some revelation about angels, and I was shocked, pastors. I was shocked to realize how much revelation that first generation had for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants. I mean, it's like they knew all about them. Uh, Abraham had lunch with some of them one day and said he, he begged for, you know, intercessory, intercessory for, for Lot. Just all kinds of stuff. And I thought, well, they know more than most churches I preach to today. And that's the first book of the Bible. And when Adam got in trouble, he didn't have to say, oh, man, I should have invented something to guard him from getting back in here. No, he had an angel who said, cherubim, you station yourself there with the sword and make sure you don't get back in there. Because he didn't want him to go back to the tree of life and eat again and then live forever in a lost estate. That meant that, that what it means is all of us were going to hell. If you're going to live forever in a lost estate, you're never saved. And that's why that's so sometimes angels, let me say something, the angels sometimes keep you from getting in some places. Without hurting you, but they, they will keep you out of that if they can, like he did. Then there's sometimes angels came in, I think it's Acts 5, all the apostles were locked up. Angel came to them, undid all the doors. Go preach in the temple the words of this life. And he got them out. Sometimes they're keeping people from going in, and he got them out. So there's all different ways to look at that. So the angels are a benefit to us. So, you know, and I, I just say it this way, you know, if you had it's a third grade education and you went somewhere to human resources, you would probably, if you're not that smart, you would ask your mother or your father or somebody, what kind of questions should I ask? How about how much are you going to pay me an hour? How about uh, what about double time, overtime? Did you do anything for that? How about insurance? Well, in our day, everybody wants everything. You got dental, you got vision, you got regular health care. What insurance company are you with? And how much time do I get for lunch? And you're acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to slap all of you if you don't wake up. <laughs> you know what I mean. I mean, just a third grader would want to know uh, if he's 18 or 20, he's going to work there. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
You know, everybody's not UPS that'll send you to college. All right. Now, here's another thing to think about. The verse, I'm still on verse 14. Is there any more? Oh, there's a lot in here, but I've got to move on just a second. I'll give you another comment. The Amplified Bible, the Amplified Bible, which I had to take Greek in seminary, and I have about 40 translations in my library, but the Amplified Bible since 1978, when I graduated, I, it has been the most reliable to everything I've looked up in my Greek New Testament ever. It helps all of them, in the New Testament particularly. And he says here that angels are an assistance to God and to us. So these angels are coming alongside us to be an assistance to me. And I just need to figure out what all they do and then begin to access that, which is what I try to do. Wherever I'm going to preach, I do two things. I release the angels and it isn't necessary for them to stay with me. Because I'm a prophet now and there's, I have a secondary angel God gave me because of that in 2008 that defends me against demons that try to put a contract on me so and then I have the original angel that came when I was born here and you get an angel when you're birthed you come through the womb of a woman that's legal entry into this planet you know that don't you anybody not born through a woman okay we all get here the same way but the ones that can go, I always send them ahead to where I'm going to be coming shortly. I say, go over there and just see what's going on and help create an atmosphere for me where we could function in some things. That doesn't mean I think the churches are wrong. It's just that's my part as a prophet to do that because God told me to do it. Yeah. And then I go to Exodus 23 and I read that scripture, 20 through 23. And the angel's been sent to take us into a place. Listen that he's already prepared. So by Wednesday night, we're going to end up somewhere else than we are right now. Because an angel's been sent to help get me and all of us into a different place where we need to be after some teaching and after some ministry. Does that make sense? I'm just using the scriptures and I'm talking to you. So that's, what, that's just a couple of things I do for local churches. Okay. Now, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to move on. Let, let's go back here to um, Genesis 28. You guys are just, you just seem like you'd sit all day, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that to you. Because I go, shoo, I have to eat something. I know. Oh, you'll bring it to me. You guys are so sweet. I told Pastor yesterday, Pastor Jackie, uh, I just so honored that she would have me come and just so blessed to be here with you. I hope we could grow together in these things. And I don't know everything, even myself. I mean, a lot of people have, you know, been very kind to me about my knowledge. But I said, well, you know, I, I learned something in 42 years or just quit. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't use a computer to study, never have. So people asked me one time, would you, how did you know there was 300 references? I looked them up with a reference book about that thick. <laughs> one at a time. And then I read them, and then I'd sit and pray about it, and I'd say, Father, what do, I, what, what do you need to tell me about this? Here's one right here. I'm going to show you. I almost missed it. But it's in Genesis 28, and it's the story of Jacob. Uh, and, and, you know, I told you earlier, you'd have to have a dream, a vision, or discerning a spirit. So here's Jacob, and he's going to go to sleep here. And verse 12 says, I'm in Genesis 28:12, and he dreamed, that is Jacob, 
And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now, I read that out loud to myself, and the Lord said, you still don't get it, do you? And I said, evidently not from where you're talking. <laughs> and I went back and I thought, okay, let me think. I'm not getting, okay, he said, read it again to both of us, read it out loud. I read it the second time. He said, you still don't have it, Michael. I said, okay, I'm going to read it again. Is that okay? Yep. I read it out loud. I read it seven times. And what I was thinking when I read it, read it just like I read it to you the first time, verbatim, but in my head, this is the way I was seeing it. God cut a hole out of heaven, dropped a rope ladder down to the top that tickled the top of grass, and then the angels came down and went back up. And the Lord said, you got it totally backwards. What are you thinking? I said, that's what I'm thinking right there. He's, that's why you're wrong. So in that seventh time I read it, I, the ladder was on the earth, and it went up to heaven. They totally, and you know, you can do that to yourself and not even realize how rebellious you're being to the Bible, really. You just don't see it. I didn't see it. I wasn't trying to throw that at God and say, why did you make it complicated? I was the one making it complicated. I was reading the words correctly, but I had it inverted. And then it says the angels ascending and descending. And then I saw something. I said, well, they must have came back because this is where they live. He said, hey, you're getting it. And I said, well, good. And then I said, so that being the case, just listen to me carefully. I'm not being a smart aleck, especially with God. But I said, uh, okay, that being true, I'm not going to preach it unless you get me out of the book of Genesis. You're going to have to. And I said it to him sweetly. You have to give me at least two more references, and one of them has to be for me to preach it to the public sure. over in the letters. If you can't do that, I'm not going to preach it like yeah. that. I know what you just told me, but I'm not going to preach that. See, that's where people get, preachers yeah. get stuck back in Leviticus. My God. I mean, Leviticus has its place, but not a predominant place like we are in, G we're in Hebrews, we're in Ephesians, we're in Colossians, we're in, oh, we're joint heirs with Christ, hey. So he said, I'll do you one better. I'm going to give you three. I, you know, I felt like Brother Hagin. If it's in the New Testament in one of the letters, I don't know about it. He said, oh, there's a lot you don't know yet. I, okay, you're right. Before I leave this passage, I want to show you where this happened it, geographically. Go down to verse um, 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep. We just read about what happened. He said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful, that's a, that's a dreadful translation. That word in the Hebrew is awesome. How awesome is this place? And this is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now notice, he said, this is the house of God. So he was at church when that happened. You remember 1 Timothy 3.15? You can just write that down. It says the church, I mean the house of God is the church of the living God, and Timothy, Paul writes Timothy. So uh, this is an Old Testament passage, but I'm showing you what happened here happened at church. And, and before he got out of there, he vowed a vow to tithe to God too because of all that. It's an interesting comment. But he said, listen, this is none other but the house of God. He's, he's resting at church. I mean, there's not a church building there, but he's there and God's dealing with him and he sees these angels and he, he said, this is the house of God. Now, I'm telling you, I could go off for an hour and teach you angels go to church with us, but I, I don't want to go down that trail. I'm going to try and talk about angels on the earth right now. 
And it says, this is the gate of heaven. This is, and I haven't found any other gates to heaven. I've seen other gates, but not to heaven. So the gate of heaven, the church is the gate of heaven. It releases things into this community. It releases things into the world. It releases things into nations. releases things into other churches. If you raise up people to preacher, pastor, or whatever. How many are listening? This is the gate of heaven. The church is the gate of heaven. What a deal. I mean, I mean, I don't think we realize how special the church is fully when you see that. It's the gate of heaven. You open that and heavenly things come out. All right, let's, let's see. Let's go over here to John 1. This, I'm getting excited. John chapter 1, verse 51. <laughs> I appreciate Pastor here. You know, I wasn't being a smart like I just thought, well, you know, if you give me some more references, then maybe I, I can see what you're saying. I'm not disputing what you said in Genesis. I know that. But, you know, I'm not a Genesis person. I'm a Hebrews person. I'm a, a Corinthian person, Ephesian person. I still have a high priest, but it's not Aaron. It's Jesus. And, you know, I'm under blood, but not the blood of an animal or a goat or something. I'm under the blood of Jesus. I'm in the best covenant we've ever had. I don't know of any better coming either, by the way. That's it. We just got to know how to run it, how to operate in it. John 1.51, here it is. And, and Jesus is dealing with uh, Nathaniel and uh, maybe uh, somebody else here. Let me see here. I think it's maybe Nathaniel. It says, verse 51, he said unto them, Verily, verily, and that's kind of a Hebrewism that means, hey, pay attention, this is important. I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. Now again, that could mean the realm of the Spirit, or it could mean heaven itself. I'm not sure. I think it means the realm of the Spirit, but nonetheless. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Same terminology, but now Jesus includes angels will be ascending upon us, men and women. Now, I don't mean any disrespect. I certainly wouldn't want to be, I'm not a vulgar person before I say this. But the women are just the men with the, with the womb. We're the race of man. When I, I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm trying to help you. So when God talks about men in the Bible, unless it's a, a female-male context, then you know we're different, of course. But when he talks about man and mankind, he's talking about all of us, male and female. We have the same authority. We have the same rights with him. We're sons and daughters. Not one's favored over the other. We're all part of that same covenant. All right. So that's two witnesses. Go to Zechariah. And by the way, Zechariah is an interesting book. Uh, it, he's had a lot of visions in here. We're looking at chapter 1. You're still here with me, aren't you? You're so sweet. I don't know how long I've been talking. I don't see anybody sleeping or snoring. And <laughs> uh, this kind of reminds me of Brother Hagin, verse 7 and following. He, uh, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 7. Upon the four and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month Sebat, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, McKinney, Texas. You know, that's what it reminds me of. You remember Brother Hagin? He would quote all that. And on this side of the street was so-and-so. And that's, yeah. Verse 8, I saw by night, behold, a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. 
and behind him there were red horses speckled in white. Then I said, O Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me, there's an angel talking to Zechariah, but there's other beings in this scene too. I will show you what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord has sent. Sounds like Hebrew one thing. To walk to and fro through the earth. Now that's, a, that's critical. To walk to and fro through the earth, not in heaven. They've been sent to walk to and fro in the earth. That just means they, their function is in this planet. We'll, we'll, when we talk about personal angels, we'll look at Jacob from another angle. He's getting ready to leave his body, but he commissions his angel to his grandsons. And Jesus, when he left, it doesn't say the angel was sent from heaven, that Jesus has a personal angel, by the way, because he came through the womb of a woman named Mary. They have legal entrance here. I mean, his blood wasn't tainted like man because of what Adam had done, but he was still a man. So... Now, verse 10, I knew there was something in verse 10, but I didn't, couldn't figure it out. So I did some more search on it. And it says in, the, I think this is, and some people want to question some of these translations. I don't, you could do whatever. RSV, Revised Standard, says they came to patrol the earth and maintain security. The angels came to patrol the earth. That's the whole planet. And uh, to maintain security. Yeah, I mean, I went somewhere to a foreign country right after 9-11, about three days later. Ain't nobody happy. Nobody's talking. The stewardess are shaking practically. <laughs> nobody says, who are you? What do you do? Everybody's just silent, looking straight ahead like we're all dummies. I don't know. And then this guy got up in 1A and got his briefcase from the top. We were climbing still and went around where the stewardess is sent. I, the whole first class came to their feet. Not me. I'd already read Psalm 91. <laughs> And I said, if anybody's going to live through anything, it's me. And I'd like to take some of these people with me if you'll let me, Father, but that's up to them and you. I don't know. But, I mean, I think they were going to beat the you-know-what out of that guy. I mean, the whole first class jumped and ran up there where the stewardesses were. They're all crammed in that little corner. You know, they're seated because they're taking off. But the nurse, the, nurse, the stewardess was real sweet. She put her arm. I said, Listen, sir, you need to go sit down. And she took his briefcase, put it back up there. I think she looked in it first, but anyway. Wasn't nothing. He was just either on medication or freaked out. I don't know what he was. You're not going to go through that door and go anywhere. You know. Anyway. And here's another translation of this. They come, the angels come to do recon, to do security, and even combat if it's needed. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm telling you these angels are something. This is the way the Bible looks at them. I'm not trying to make it up. I'm giving you a chapter. So let's go to our last verse here, 1 Corinthians 4. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to meet the Methodist for the lunch thing, but anyway, you'll be okay. <laughs> I'm teasing, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you guys have really agged me on today. You know what that word means? Or is that to Kentucky for you or something? I'm in Indiana, but right across the river from Kentucky. 1 Corinthians 4, 9. And you know, I said to the Lord, Lord, I, I didn't know there was a verse like this in there. Well, you've read it. You just didn't pay attention or you didn't think about it. And so 1 Corinthians 4, 9. I think that God has set forth us, the apostles. There were apostles... Uh, specifically, but you could just broaden it and say the ministry lasts as it were appointed to death, for we are, not going to be, not was, we are, current tense, 
I mean present tense, are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Well, I have a, a Cambridge Bible, and in the footnote in the center here, it says spectacle GR, which means Greek. But since I don't trust them, I look up stuff in my Greek New Testament. Uh, but it says the word is theater. So I went to my Greek New Testament, which is written in Greek, and I found this reference, and it is the word theater. So listen what this says. Is we are made, not going to be, we already are made, a theater to men and to the world, but also to angels. What, what do you do at a theater? Let me ask you if you have grandchildren or even smaller kids. Some of the younger people might have. You go watch them at Christmas. They do a little play or uh, maybe at Easter time at church or whatever you do. And you're looking and you're listening. What do you do if you go see a movie? I know there's not much fit on uh, normal stuff that you would watch at a movie house. But if you did go to see something that was reasonable or, you know, you're sitting, you're being quiet, you're listening, and you're looking. So what are the angels doing here with us today all day? What, they're looking at me and looking at you, and they're listening to the words I'm speaking. You're excited, you're going to get it. See what I'm saying? They're, and they're doing that with you. They're observing you in a good way to pay attention to you and listen to see what you're saying that would activate them to, to move in your behalf. You know, when my kids were little, uh, you know, me and mom had, to, me and Diane and my wife, we would have to take them places. When they got bigger to drive a car, you know, I had to start believing God in a different way in the sense of believing for the angels to take care of them when I wasn't present because I, don't, when, I didn't know for a fact where, where they were. They told me they went somewhere, but that may or may not have been the fact. And sometimes later we found out that they were not where they said they were. You know, like years after. Remember that time I told, oh, no. But we released the angels to take care of them. So, all right, and would you stand up with me a minute? I, I, I got to stop, but I wanted to pray for just a few people, if that would be acceptable. Uh, if you have any, any, any kind of bone issue, and what I mean that, I mean your neck, your back, your hips, or you, some people have problems in their joints, like, arthritis, bursitis, I don't know what all the itises are named, I'm not trying to be funny, but we've just had a lot of success with that, with people's spines, and sometimes when an angel works with me, and one of them, he, he will pull out a bad vertebrae if I'm in the spirit, I can see it, and there's still a gap there, and that's not supposed to happen because you're standing, you've got pressure on your spine, <laughs> he pulls that out, and he puts a new one in there, it's all kinds of stuff, so I'm not saying that's going to happen today, but it could happen. I just, if you have problems with your bones, I want you to come stand up here, and I'd like to lay hands on you, if you would. And, and I may ask you what you need, or I may just lay hands on you for your bones, because I have a special anointing for bones that Dr. Dufresne put in my right hand in 1996. So, praise God. Okay. I'm going to start down on this end in just a minute for the ushers to know that. We had a good, goodly crowd here. All right, hallelujah. I pray for, you were the one I saw at the hotel. <laughs> Father, I pray, oh, those bones to be healed. Let the fire of God go in and burn out all calcium deposits that cause mobility problems in the name of Jesus. That's it right there. Be healed in your bone structure. I command the power of God to heal you from top. Oh, there it is. Be your head to the soles of your feet. 
Pray for you to be healed, ma'am, from the top of your head, the soles of your neck, your back, your bones, your joints, your feet, your ankles, your hips, whatever the issues are in the name. There's an anointing on you, Jesus' name. Pastor Ken, be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Let the power go through him, Father, and straighten everything out in those bones. Burn out any calcium deposits that have collected. Pastor Jackie, receive that into your bones. An anointing goes in there to, oh, yeah, to refresh and encourage and nourish your bones. And in the areas where there's joint problems, let the fire burn out any calcium deposits that's made it difficult or painful or uncomfortable to move. We pray Ooh, in the name of Jesus. That's it. Be healed in your body. Can you lift your hands up to the Lord? That's it. Thank you so much. Father, I pray for her body to be healed in her bone structure, every part of it to be healed and made well and sound. Well, there's the anointing right there coming on you, ma'am. There it is again. Any calcium deposits, the commandos to burn up by the fire of God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Pray for you to be healed in your bones, top of your head, the soles of your feet, in the name of Jesus. The fire of God to go into every part that needs removed and it'll burn it out safely and help you. In the name of Jesus, command your bones to be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In the name of Jesus. Pray for healing to flow to her now in Jesus' name. Oh my goodness, anointing strong on you, man. Anointing of God on your body, on your bones, all the bone structures to be healed and refreshed, encouraged, strengthened, healed. Any calcium deposits to burn off in the name of Jesus. Thank you for Pray for your body to be healed, especially your bone system. Every bit of it to go, all the weakness to go. Any calcium deposits that makes it difficult to move in some area. The fire of God to go burn that out, Jesus. Amen. For your body to be healed in your bone structure, everything to be normal, healed, refreshed, strong. Any calcium deposits to be burned up by the fire of God in the name of Jesus. Command your body to be healed in your bone structure, all of it to be healed from the top of your head, the soles of your feet, your neck, your spine, your hips, knees, feet, everything that needs healing, needs restoration, come to her. Any calcium deposits to burn out. In the name of Jesus, I command you to be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Is this your son right here? Hallelujah. Can I pray for him? Father, I just pray for him in the name of Jesus. The power of God will work in him, work on him, make him whole, make him well, make him sound. We thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Let that anointing go in and just stay resident in him until it's fully brought forth. In Jesus' name, praise God. All right. Where am I at? Right here with this. You know, I didn't pray for you yet. Father, I command this bone structure to be healed, top of her head and the soles of her feet. In the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness, and only strong on you, lady. Take that. Command your body to be healed, top of your head, the soles of your feet, all the bones to be made whole. In Jesus' name, any calcium deposits, I command it to burn up in the name of Jesus. Anointing on you, strong too. In the name of Jesus, pray your body be healed, your bones all be refreshed, encouraged, made healthy, made strong. Hallelujah. Fire of God to burn out all calcium deposits. Command your body to be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Anointing's working on you, ma'am, right now. Command those bones to be healed. Any calcium deposits to burn out, make her 
maker everything what it's supposed to do in her body in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody in the line right here that has some digestive problems. Anybody here yet? You? Okay. Father, I command that to be healed. The digestive system to work right. Esophagus, intestine, stomach. Every, oh, in the name of Jesus. That's it right there. Anointings coming on you to heal you of that internal thing. That's it right there. Praise God. All right. I think I was right here for the bones. Command your bones to be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. That's it right there. The fire of God's going in there too to minister to you and help you. Thank you, Father, for the anointing. And the fire of God to burn out any calcium deposits, Father, that may be present. In the name of Jesus. Seems like you got some pain in your body. Is that right, right now? Where's that at? In your neck? Can I lay hands on it? In the name of Jesus, just let, me, just let me be limber with you. I'm not trying to crack your neck or anything. Father, I command this neck to be healed in the name of Jesus right now. That anointing go out of my fingers into her neck and heal her. There it is right there. Hallelujah. Command your body to be healed, all your bones to be healed and refreshed and curried. Fire God to burn out all calcium deposits in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Be healed in your body. Command your bones to be refreshed blessed, command any calcium deposits to burn out by the fire of God. Wow, this line's, I think I prayed for this lady initially. Be healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. In your body, your bones to be healed and refreshed. Your bones to be healed and refreshed and healed top of your head and the soles of your feet. Let the fire of God burn out any calcium deposits, Father. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your anointing tonight, today, going into these men and women of God. I pray for the power of God to go in and strengthen and heal every bone, every ligament, every tissue. Father, I pray for the fire of God to burn out any calcium deposits in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Command to your body to be healed, Ron every bit of it to be healed, all the bones to be fixed and made whole and normal, nourished and strengthened, watered and fresh and anew from God's Spirit, and any calcium deposits to burn out. Pray for your body to be healed, sir, from the top of your head and soles of your feet. Fire God, go in and burn out any calcium deposits in the name of Jesus. We thank you. There's an anointing on you, sir, right there. All right. Praise God. Command your body to be healed on top of your head, soles of your feet. Anointing God go in you, straighten all that out, and be healed in the name of Jesus. All right. Father, I pray for this man to be healed in his bone structure, every bit of it to go, all the pain, discomfort, mobility to return to all of these I pray for today in Jesus' name. Fire God burns out any calcium deposits in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your hip. Father, I pray for this hip to be healed in the name of Jesus by the power of God. That same anointing goes into all the bones, the hip included, and makes it whole in Jesus' name. Pain, come out. Anointing to go in you. Hallelujah. Watch him. Hallelujah. 
I saw in the vision that thing about the fire of God and the joints one time. That's why I say it that way. The fire of God went in somebody's body. And they had little like clusters, I'll call it, of something looked like, I don't know, it just didn't look right, like a porous thing, but it was a glob of something, you know, under the armpit and the hip and the knee and the ankle, all that. Be healed in your body in the name of Jesus, top of your head, the soles of your feet. Let the fire of God burn out any counseling causes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Morning strong. <laughs> well, I think I've done everything I'm supposed to do this morning. Thank you for being patient, congregation. I know I seem like you guys were sweet. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Pastors. you helped hallelujah i received help so much help received there was so much in that praise god um i recall at, at bible school as he mentioned that some of us here got to hear him at uh, bible school or maybe that was before service he mentioned that um somebody described honor almost like a ski slope that you go skiing on and that without honor what god's trying to do in a service you ain't going to be able to ski. There's no snow. So dishonor to be like trying to ski without snow. But what we've done, there's been a lot of preparation in this church to receive the man of God today. Uh, and I think God began dealing with us even when Reverend Joel was here. We had a specific message on receiving the prophet's office. And pastors been ministering to us. And uh, so we have done a lot in the natural and done a lot in sitting here and listening and receiving in preparation for this man of God. And I think that the, the atmosphere has been set to receive the man of God and to accomplish what God wants in these services. But part of preparing is is what, what we plan or what we have in our hearts to give and to sow. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm actually receiving the offering for Dr. Jacobs. Um, and if you're making a check, go ahead and make it payable. You can be seated. Uh, Ushers, please serve the people with envelopes if they need an envelope. You can make pe uh, checks payable to Living Word, and then none of that will go to the church. All of that will be put together and then provided to Dr. Jacobs. Okay. So part of, part of honoring and receiving the man of God is what we've prepared in our hearts to give. Uh, my wife and I, months, months in advance, I'd say we had amounts on our heart to sow into each minister and we made sure when, when making our budget time came that that money was set aside so you know what god this is available for your use if this is what you want us to give we put it over here we're not going to touch it and we're going to make sure it gets to go where it needs to go so so we've done so much to prepare come prepared to sow like pastor said when you when you're doing it uh, when she's talking about tithes and offerings, you can actually understand more and receive more revelation. So, so hallelujah. All right, I'm just going to pray over the offering real quick. Everybody get served that needed an envelope, and ushers will go ahead and come forward. Father, thank you so much for the word we received today. Thank you for the anointing.
anointing and thank you for the revelation that's being poured out to us. Thank you for preparing us and helping to prepare our hearts ahead of time to receive the man of God and to receive his office, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you that when we sow and we honor your things, you get on our things and you honor us and you honor our giving, Father. We thank you for it. We say all the money that Dr. Jacobs and his ministry need, we say it comes in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ushers, go ahead and come forward. Well, wasn't that good? I, I said to somebody, we have a bony congregation. <laughs> Your bones are all healed, including mine. And that's probably because I'm... <laughs> Amen. And I believe the fire of God's going in all those joints. In all of us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, uh, tonight at 7 o'clock, come back, bring someone... And visit that book table. There's some excellent, excellent material out there. It's wonderful. And you're all sitting there. You don't even care about going, do you? <laughs> he needs, he needs to eat and get a rest. But come back tonight, 7 p.m. God bless you all. Love you.